Welcome to another edition of Mystery School. I'm your host, Jacob Cox, and our topic tonight is reincarnation. Thank you guys all for joining me and being here for another edition, and I'm super excited about this topic. So let's go ahead and dive in deep and um, see what we got to see what we got going on tonight. So let me go ahead and share my screen with you guys. All right. There it is. Thanks, Francesca, for this awesome reincarnation mystery school, ascensionworks.tv. Um, new episode. I love it. Um, so thankful for all her cool pictures that she gives me. And tonight's topic is reincarnation. Um, I think it's so important to realize that the real you is timeless and beyond life and death. We're more than than our names or where we're from. Um, the body that you're in, the gender that you're in, I think all that stuff has its own, you know, needs and purposes and, and, and things like that, but we're way more than all of that. There's no doubt about that. We're beyond all of those things. Life and death are basically the same things as far as I'm concerned in similar ways. I like Yogananda's, um, little quote here about reincarnation. He said, the entire universe is God's cosmic motion picture. That individuals are merely actors in the divine play who change roles through reincarnation. Mankind's deep suffering is rooted in identifying too closely with one's current role rather than with the movie's director or God. And I think that is so crazy. Like we really are, you know, just so infatuated with the character that we're playing right now that I'm, I'm Jacob Cox and I'm from Georgia and I, you know, I grew up this way and I have this, you know, these things that make me who I am, but that's just part of the story. And you know what I mean? Like I can use everything that's happened to me in the past to change my now moment right now, even the way I see things and the way I, um, the things that happen to me, I can look at them as they happen to me or they happen for me. They happen for me to evolve, to be the person I am today. I had a lot of trials and tribulations as a kid, but the person I am today is much richer because of those really challenging things that happen. And I think it's really important for us to realize that, you know, there is this, you know, however you want to see God, God to me is everything, is every person, is every place, it's everything, every circumstance, every event, and identifying as like, I'm all that is, I'm all the whole movie, I'm the director, I'm the actor, I'm the producer, I'm the writer, I'm I'm doing the whole thing here right now. Um, and I think that's really important to to get in touch with not just the director, but all of the parts, because we're we're really creating the whole thing here. Um, Dolores Cannon, uh, God rest her soul. What an incredible person. Um, but she said, apparently when we enter the earth's existence, the third dimensional reality, we exist with a facade as actors playing various roles. For some, it is the adventure of the experience, the journey for others. It is entrapment and an illusion that takes on all the qualities of reality. You know, this is your life to create your own heaven or your own personal hell. And I have realized that over and over again throughout my life, I'm the one either, like I said, again, taking this, these things that happen to me or happen for me. And when I start to realize things are happening for me, always, it seems to play out a whole lot better than what was me. These things are happening to me. And, you know, I, I hate it because it is, and I'm so unlucky or so unfair. It seems to attract more of that. When I say, oh, these things work out for me, it seems to be that's what happens to me in this in this movie, in this holographic universe that we're in. And that seems to be more beneficial to me, at least maybe not even beneficial is the word, um, but I at least enjoy. I enjoy the reality that I'm in by thinking that way instead of um, instead of thinking things are happening to me. So. I've said this so many times and and many different um many different videos but we are not just a body. You don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body temporarily and that's what we're all in. We're all in these different bodies and I think we're in certain bodies for a reason right now and it's very helpful to our own evolution and we'll talk more about that later on. But certainly we are all the cosmos. We are all nature. We all have the Fibonacci sequence in us. Um, we all have the fire ratio in us. Every single person is made up of the stars and stardust. And we're made of the same elements that the earth is made out of in the same um, proportions as well. The earth's made out of 70% water. We're made of 70% water. The iron content and all the other elements, we are very similar in many of those aspects as well because we are Mother Earth's children. So, of course, we're going to have the same 
proportions of the elements that she has and the universe We're we're literally the universe in ecstatic motion. So where the cosmos made conscious to experience itself. So that to me just means keep calm and reincarnate because that's what we're here to talk about today. We are going to continue to reincarnate whether you believe in it or not doesn't really matter. Um, I believe this happens. We are all the universe is always recycling. You know, here we are trying to recycle our plastic and things to help the earth better, but the universe always recycles. It recycles not only our souls, but it certainly recycles our bodies, right? So when this body dies, it goes into the earth, it becomes soil, um, becomes trees, becomes plants, it becomes everything. So the, the, the earth is recycling, the universe is recycling. Um, so we have no there's to me, there's really just no doubt that your soul has to be recycling and doing something very similar in the same way. And I know many people will probably jump on here right away and say, you know, but Jacob, all time is now, right? Time is an illusion and it's not just linear. Um, time is simultaneous. Everything, including past and future, are all happening right now. Past lives are actually parallel lives. Time is a man made 3D construct. It's higher dimensions. In higher dimensions, there's no such thing as time because we experience everything happening simultaneously in the now as one. And I totally agree with that. We are all experiencing the now. That every single person on this planet right here and right now is the universe made conscious. So no matter what color someone is, what gender they are, how tall, how small, um, what language they speak, none of that matters because we're all the same universal stardust um, cosmic consciousness in these bodies. However, I'm one of those people that don't believe this or that. I tend to think most things are, it's this and that it's both because I certainly know looking in this camera right now, I'm 41 years old, my body has changed drastically over the years and I'm not the same person that I was 20 years ago. Um, the same soul is inside and my, you know, my vigor for life and my consciousness seems to be in there intact, but this body's changing, certainly. Um, and so I do, I have experienced linear time in this. And so I think it's both. Um, and I think that's okay to say that. And I think that's okay to, for that to be, that to be a truth as well, um, to realize that, you know, we are experiencing that. And yeah, of course, everybody's, you know, um, here and now, but my grandfather's gone. My grandmother's gone. I know there's spirits and stuff here, but that person that they existed in before is gone. You know, Catherine and Vivian, they're no longer here. So, you know, as that human, but their spirit is here and their soul is here. And I understand that. So that's where we want to go today. What is that in reincarnation? And so, you know, and in, in, in our culture in, in the United States with 330, 30, 40 million people, you know, it's a relatively, you know, decent sized country um, and with a you know number of people. But there, you know, India and places like that, like Hindu Hinduism and Buddhism, these people, 100 percent, almost every single person in those cultures believe in reincarnation. The Dalai Lama himself is literally the way they go find him is they go find these kids that have made um, certain known to people that they may be the Dalai Lama. They go do tests with them. They give them um artifacts that the Dalai Lama had, and he has to choose every single one correctly. They have all these tests and they're looking for the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. So, I mean, in many cultures and, you know, India has many, many people, way more people than America does. So, you know, really, honestly, reincarnation is, you know, probably we're talking about 2 billion people or more in the world, 100% believe in reincarnation. And we just don't think it as much because we're in America and we think, Oh, we just project our beliefs on, but we don't believe in it that much. So other people probably don't, but to be honest, a lot of, you know, a lot of Eastern religions definitely do, but let's sit here and talk about what, what we, what we want to claim. We want to say, uh, reincarnation is, and reincarnation is literally just a cycle of death and rebirth. The belief that all living things are reborn in a new body after death body that one receives in rebirth is determined by karma gained in previous life. And in many Eastern religions, this is something that I kind of learned a little bit about too. It's all about attaining moksha, the ultimate spiritual peace. This ends the cycle of reincarnation. Um, and I think not only in, in Hinduism, Buddhism, but I do think the Bible and other books do talk about ending that suffering, right? Ending that you know, 
having to be born again into these lives. And I think we've just been kind of pushed away from certain beliefs and th things have been hidden from us. But as we take different religions and different cultures and take the mystery of everything and put it all together, because we can't solve a mystery just by looking at Christianity or uh, Buddhism or Hinduism, we have to take all of them to put them together to figure out like, what is going on here? What are we here for? What are we doing? Um, how can we be better people? How can we grow and how can we evolve? Um, and so another thing that many East religions believe in is the law of samsara, which is basically kind of the wheel of this uh, being born and dying over again. And they believe in karma. And most people uh, kind of know what karma is, even in our in our culture. Karma is the amount of good works, actions following your dharma, which is the duty that you have to perform. The good karma you build up in your atman, your soul, during your life, the better your rebirth. Um, if your Atman has better karma than the previous life, then you will be reborn into a higher life form. Eventually, your Atman will not be, be will not be reborn into another body. You will achieve moksha, and it's the release of samsara, the release of the wheel of basically being born and forgetting who you are. So we all know for the most of us probably watching this video, we were born, we, we forgot that we have been other people, we forgot that we're a soul, we come into this life and we're really attached to this. It hurts, you know, when you get pinched, it hurts. When someone hits you, it hurts. Like we're really, we're really um believe that we're these people, you know. And it, you know, and again, it's both. Yeah, we are the soul, but we're all in this body as well. And so this is the wheel of samsara, very cool artwork. Um, I, I just felt like it was really important to share because I feel like um it's just kind of cool to see in these religions that this is just something that they that they just 100 it's not even believe it's just that they just this is how it is we just reincarnate and i agree with a lot of it there are some things that i just don't particularly uh maybe i don't know yet maybe i'm open to being different but um I, you know sometimes sometimes they say you can go from being human to a grasshopper and i think that's possible you know, my guess is that um, you evolve, you know, and as your consciousness, you know, maybe when we're first our first spark of of who we are and we start out as little things and we grow and our consciousness evolves and we take on larger physical space as well and larger incarnations. But I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe you could go back from a person to an insect or something. I would think to me personally, if you're going to go down, you might go down to a dog or something like that. But I would think a dolphin or a whale is just as evolved, if not more evolved than we are. Dolphins and whales, some of them have, I know there are whales that have more brain capacity than we have. They have they're experiencing emotions that we don't experience. Um, so they may be really higher evolved beings. But I would say as your consciousness evolves, you probably take on larger things. Um so the goal of Hinduism is to reach moksha. It's a perfect state, a state of perfect understanding of the relationship between the Atman and the Brahman. Uh, become enlightened through your good karma and your reincarnation. And samsara, again, is that cycle of reincarnation. The Atman, our soul, is born again and again until you moksha is, is achieved. And that is, I think, again, something that just many religions kind of talk about, the end of the suffering, um, to not die anymore and forget who you are to, you know I mean? It, this is something that we see in other religions as well. Even in Christianity kind of talks about that. So yeah, like I said, the goal of Hindus is to achieve the moksha. Um, one achieves the moksha when they understand the relationship between the individual soul, the Atman and the connection between the world soul, Brahma and moksha cannot be achieved in one lifetime. Reincarnation, karma affects your next life. You know, even that, Mm, okay. I mean, it probably is too much, you know, could it be possible? I think all things are possible when it comes to our experience. Um, but certainly it seems that one lifetime, if this was brand new, you'd never done it before and everything was brand new to you. It just seems like 70 or 80 or 90 years, a hundred years wouldn't be enough almost to experience all the emotions, all the things to get all the learning and to relieve all suffering that you would have to do this over and over again. And to me, man, that is unconditional love at its finest, that God, the universe, everything is going to allow you to screw up time and time again. 
that you're going to continue to mess up. You're going to continue to learn, you know, and there's no judgment. Go do it again. You know, it's only human beings that say, oh, you've done something terrible. You have to go to jail. You have to pay your price. We're going to have justice served. We're going to put you away for the rest of your life. I mean, it, I, I know probably some of you out there watching have done bad things, terrible things. I've done a few terrible things myself. And, you know, if I was in jail for the rest of my life, that would really suck straight up. That would suck. Um but those those things, those dark things, those negative things, honestly, often put me on the right track to being a better human. Um, and I think just saying that someone's done wrong things and putting them away for the rest of their life is not the best idea, you know, or even to me, honestly, putting someone like to death, you know, electric chair or what do they, they the shot that, you know, they give you. To me, you want to learn the lesson while you're alive right now. You shouldn't want to put someone to death because they're not going to learn the lesson in the lifetime. Then they bring that karma back to them in the next life and have to learn it over again until they learn that thing. They no longer experience it. To me, I, I don't think that you would want to kill anyone for them not to learn it. I hope that makes sense. I think that they would. you would want them to learn the lesson. Like an, I've heard in Africa when people mess up, They'll take that person and put them in the middle of a circle and tell them all the good things and all the great things about them and how wonderful they are and how much they mean to the to the society or their culture as a whole. And I think that's really important. It's like, hey, man, just because you mess up doesn't mean you're worthless. It doesn't mean that you can't contribute. It doesn't mean that you didn't, you're not going to learn anything from that. You may learn something from that more than everybody else. To the extent that I feel like I know my light, to the extent I feel like I know my own darkness as well, the yin and the yang is always very prevalent in my life. So I feel like uh, we just need to understand that and not be so harsh on everyone. We all make mistakes and life doesn't come with, you know, this great book that we can all read and know exactly what to do all the time. Maybe it does, you know, just inside of us and we've been so disconnected from it. But karma, you know, what you put out will come back to you in unexpected ways. Give only what you don't mind getting back. And that's a great way to say it. Yeah, I heard so many times people say, oh, karma is a bitch. Karma is only a bitch if you are. That's the 100% truth. Actually, karma can be really great. So, And to me, it's not necessarily what I do in this life affects the next life. What I do right now affects now, too. So that's what I was saying earlier. It's not one or the other. It's both. So what I do now, 100% can affect me in my next life. Um, you know, I was in a car accident when I was a young kid. And my mother was hurt. My father was hurt. My brother was not hurt at all. And I was seriously injured. And as I've gotten older, I realized, you know, each person took something different from that experience. My brother was almost a little bit jealous of me for getting so much attention. I didn't have to go to school for a long time. I sat on my grandmother's couch and she fed me good meals and all things. So, you know, you know, no, no judgment against him for that. But that is something happened. You know, I know my dad probably felt guilt from that experience. And my mom was, you know, upset with what happened to her and her knee got really injured. Um, but everyone took something different experience. So it was almost like really cosmic that of this humongous experience, we all took different things from it and it felt like this had been something we had been entertangled with over and over again. And this is what it came up to. And it came early in life for me, you know, six years old, um, because everything kind of seems to compact in your incarnations as they go throughout your lifetime. And so it makes it really important, you know, a big event. So you really get to learn from it, something that's happened over and over again. But um, in general, I, I believe karma is not a bad thing. Karma can be great as long as you're being great. And whatever you want in life, certainly give it to others. If you want unexpected kindness, if you want unexpected goodness, gifts, love, go give it. And don't give it in a way that other people see it or it's on Facebook or you're taking a camera and, and showing yourself. Give it in unexpected you know, beautiful ways where nobody else is even watching or knows about it. You know, um, And that'll come back to you for sure. So past lives, sometimes your connection to others extends beyond this lifetime. You feel as if you have known them before, or in some cases, like you have always known them. Do you believe in past lives? I 100% believe in past lives. And it feels like now in my life, I feel so connected to them. You know, it, over the course of my life, it seems like one has revealed itself slowly, um, 
throughout my life and then another one and another. But just the the cultures that I enjoy, the foods that I enjoy, the religions, the spiritual, the spirituality of different cultures. Um, I'm extremely attracted to them. And then one will lead me to another and another. And um, you know, it's almost like uh food or something else or just a human being but like i feel completely attracted to different things and i feel like a lot of it is because i lived in certain time periods in certain um in certain cultures and so I'm, I'm really enamored with those different aspects of cultures and life so um i 100 believe in them i 100 believe that we've all experienced many 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 past lives we just forget them um but certainly there are many, many cases, especially of young children who have incredible rememberings of their past lives to, to just incredible detail. And we'll probably go into them a little bit later here. But I just wanted to point out that, you know, we talk about Hinduism and Buddhism for this um, for this talk a lot. But certainly I, I believe, again, that Christianity speaks to this. But just know that the Council of Nicaea and other people have literally taken words out. They've changed words. So there are instances what I 100% believe that they're talking about reincarnation, but it's questionable. What I'm about to share with you now is from the Bible of Matthew, which I think maybe it's still questionable. But to me, these two verses, a couple of verses here that I'm about to share with you guys, kind of really suggest that that reincarnation is in the Bible. So Matthew 11, 11, I think that's cool. 11, 11 through 11, 14. Uh, and this is Christ speaking himself. I tell you the truth among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he is who is at least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and all the law prophesies until John. And if you are willing to accept, if you're willing to hear this, um, if you're willing to accept this deep truth, he is the Elijah who was to come. I think Jesus is literally saying John the Baptist and Elijah are one. And let's go to the next one real quick. Matthew, just a few, just a few verses down, Matthew 17, 10 through 13. The disciples ask, oh, and at the end of this verse, it says, he who has ears here, this is very important. He's saying this is important stuff. Remember, this is so, this is so important. What Jesus is saying to people out in the open can get you killed. And obviously it got him killed. You can't go around talking about God. That's not what the, the standard is back then. You can't go around and say the earth revolves around the sun, right? It's a geocentric, you know, idea back then. You can be killed for saying the earth revolves around the sun. You can be killed for saying, you know, things on the Sabbath day. You can be killed for saying other than what religion has told you, what society says is okay and deems that's okay to talk about now. He had to talk in parables. He had to be very um, mindful of what he said. Because it would have got him killed or quicker than he did. You can't just go around saying those things. Just like today, you can't go around saying anything you want anymore. You'll be canceled. You'll be stopped. You'll be crushed. You cannot go around and say anything you want to. And that's exactly what we have to think about when he's saying these things. He's saying things in a way and wording them in a way that he doesn't come out plainly and say it directly. You have to beat around the bush a little bit. You have to say it in parables. And that's exactly what's going on here, I think, too. But Matthew 17, 10 through 13. And the disciples ask him, why then do teachers of law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished in the same way the son of man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. I think that's pretty clear. John the Baptist was beheaded, he was killed, and Jesus was going to be done the same way. Um, but he's saying that the disciples are understanding, oh, he's talking about John the Baptist, even though he's talking about Elijah. 
I mean, I don't know that it's 100% evidence. I, you know, I don't read Aramaic and I don't know Hebrew and, and Greek and stuff. I'd love to, I wish I didn't go back and read the original writings. I know many of us probably would, but you know, have to take everything with a little bit of grain of salt. But I do think here that's exactly what we're talking about. And, um, you know, so reincarnation, we're all reincarnating. We're different people throughout history. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that birthmarks are, are places where people died. Reincarnation researchers have discovered that some people who died a traumatic death in a past life bear the scars of those injuries in the form of a birthmark. Birthmarks are often found through regressive hypnosis to be a type of emotional or psychic imprint from a cause of death or trauma in a previous lifetime. It is like an emotional memory that was so strong it carried through to this life. And so I have... For me personally, I have a birthmark that starts on my hand and rolls down the side of my arm right here and down to my elbow. And it's light and you'd have to look at it, but it's just darker than the rest. And I always have felt like um, that I have this really witchy spirit, you know, and I felt like I was burned at a stake. And that's where I like kind of put my arm up and was initially burned probably before I died. Um, you know, who knows? But I, I 100% in my belief, believe that's going to be what happens. And I do think that we have birthmarks in, in some instances, not everyone probably, um, but there are probably things that happened to us in the past that definitely um, point to that. I mean, obviously these researchers have found stuff like this, and this does happen regularly more than just, you know, every now and then. So because we reincarnate and because uh, we get to do these things over and over again. I think it's really important to point out that goodbyes are only for those who love with their eyes, because there's those who love with their heart and soul. There's no such thing as separation that we always reincarnate with these people that we care about. Right. We even change roles. You know, your mom and your dad become your siblings. They become, you know, friends, they become enemies. Uh, and that's important to realize too. people like, you know, you know, I don't like these enemies, whatever, but I realized one day that my enemy was my friend. Um, it was just a friend in reverse, basically, that when I finally let go of hating somebody um, and I allowed them to be themselves and just hear what they had to say and why we had this, you know, negative kind of energy between us, that negativity and hate completely flipped to love. And I just realized that hate was an intensity of the emotion. Love is an intensity of an emotion. And I can I can kind of flip them to either way that I want if I'm willing to hear people and understand people. So I believe that you reincarnate with people that you hate, your enemies just as much as you do your soulmates. And that is something for you that's just as powerful to work through and to get through as your loved ones, because they really are your loved ones in reverse. So now I wanted to move on to some of the instances of reincarnation in particular. And this is one that I felt like for a long time is probably really, you know, more than just a coincidence. Um, I don't know if you guys have probably heard about this before, but Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy have so many crazy things about them that to me, it almost seems that we might have the same soul here who's been president twice. Um, just, and I won't probably go through all these, but just the year that they were elected, that the names that, that, that each one of them had for, for their secretary, where they were like Lincoln was killed, um, in a theater named Ford and, uh, Kennedy was in a, was in a Lincoln built by Ford, um, after their civil, both of them cared about civil rights, um, Abraham lost a child as Abraham Lincoln lost a child as president. John F. Kennedy lost a child as president. They're both slain on a Friday in the presence of their wives. Um, advised not to go by secretary named Kennedy. Abraham Lincoln was, and then Kennedy was advised not to go by secretary named Lincoln. Um, just on down the road, you just like, wow, there's so many things that, that are coincident between these two people. They're also the two presidents that were that were killed. And I think they were both killed for the same reasons. And I didn't think it had anything to do with slavery, but I, I've gone back and done research that Kennedy would, had a, was um, created the executive order 11110, basically, trying to end central banks. And Abraham Lincoln was trying to do the same thing. I think they were both murdered for that in particular, my own little conspiracy theory there. But I think that's why they were murdered and then killed and assassinated. Um, 
But I think it's very possible to look back at little incidents like this, and they're not just coincidences. And when they build up like that, you have to either say, like, their coincidences have to stop at a certain point. Coincidence becomes synchronicities that become understandings, connections. And I think it's very possible to think that these two people could have been the same, the same soul reincarnated. And so that's what happens. We reincarnate over and over again. And this kind of stuff happens and people remember these things. Um, One of the cool stories that is going on right now is there's a kid in Australia who believes he's Princess Diana, um, born 18 years after she died in Australia to a family. His family shows him this picture of Princess Diana, never seen her, never anything about it. He goes, that's me as a princess. And then he starts to name different stories and things that he knows about. He knows that um, Princess Diana has a brother named George. And like, well, yeah, I don't have a brother named George. And then they go back and find out she had, an, I believe it was an older brother, born before she was, died at birth or very young. And his name was George. Um, he knows about Harry and William. He knows different things. He knows about the car crash. Um, he just knows too many things that young boys should know about. These kind of stories go on and on and on. And, you know, just like I said earlier, my soul, as as this young boy to the man I am now, it's still in there. And, you know, it when I die, this soul will reincarnate into something else. And, you know, we'll always be changing, we'll always be evolving in the new things. So I think once we get past the the you know, for some of us, that shock of, oh, you know, reincarnation, that's that's a taboo subject or sometimes, you know, once you get past it, that's what it is. And I realize, man, this could be true. Use your brain power, use your imagination to imagine like, OK, if that's true, what does it lead to? What does it mean? It means that we have all loving universe that allows you to make mistake after mistake to learn who you are, to get to a point where you no longer have to suffer, where you can take these light experiences, these dark experiences and balance them out. So that you can relieve yourself from that. You don't have to continue to be reincarnated and forget who you are. So, you know, that's the point is like, you're not just going to be a guy. You're not just going to be a girl. Um, you're going to evolve. You're going to be different kinds of people. Another cool story that I read recently was about Dorothy Edie, born in um, Britain, I think. And so she... She grows up, she has a head injury, she falls down the stairs, and she starts having like kind of these flashbacks of being in Egypt. And eventually she goes and lives in Egypt. She has like, she goes and works for, you know, the Egyptians and she helps them find the Temple of Seti Gardens and stuff. Like she knows that whether she goes, if you go dig here, you're going to find them. And they found them and she did so many things that they just... You know, a lot of people didn't want to believe that she had reincarnated and had been an Egyptian long ago, but there were so many things. She was highly regarded in that um, in Egyptian and uh, 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 what do you call archaeology and everything and what she knew and what she could, you know, what she had remembered and stuff. So there's just so many stories. Um, another one that I can remember is, um, oh, that TV series that's so good about it was called the ghost inside my child what's so cool about this series is and it's only a couple seasons long but they have these kids that are born and they remember these past lives and a lot of times they come to parents that don't want to believe in past life which i think is great whatever you resist persists so if you don't want something or you don't like something you can pretty much guarantee your child is going to be born and bring that thing to your face <laughs> you know what i mean that's like instant karma right there, right? Whatever you resist, persist. So, but what's really cool is a lot of these kids did come with the trauma of the death and they were kind of stuck in it. So they would bring back these stories of this is what happened to me. You know, I died in an airplane, you know, in World War II and they had the dramatic experience of dying and death. And a lot of times they would bring them back to the grave or the place where they died if they could and by bringing them back by telling them okay you know that's this is the past this is now that person died they were able to like let go of it and like you know this like they had nightmares and um and things like that for a long time but then once they brought them back and it's almost like they cut the cord they let go of the suffering they moved on from the past into the now but they did that trauma work right that we always everybody's always talking about we got to do that inner 
trauma work. We got to um, heal ourselves. That's part of it. You got to heal the emotions and, and cut the cords from the suffering. And once they go back there and they go to those places, they go to those graves and they let those people go. It's almost like almost instantly. The nightmares go away. The problems go away. Um, the problem behaviors go away and they start to become you know, a lot better people and they can sleep better at night. And, and they, and they almost just kind of forget about that happening. Um, which I think is great. That's very helpful. It's very healing that their parents did that for them. You know, a lot of parents would just tell you to be quiet and you're just dreaming, imagining, imagine what that does to a child though, regardless of whether you believe it or not, they don't feel validated. They don't feel like they can talk to you. They don't feel like they can tell you their truths. And then they're going to cover up from there on out and not tell you anything because you couldn't listen to them. So I think it's very important that we listen to our children when they tell us these stories and when they, when they can remember these things and start talking about them instead of saying, no, you're not imagining that. We really sit down and listen to them. What's going on and what happened and tell me about it. What can you remember? And if there's something there that they need to heal, something they need to let go of, we need to help them let go of that. And I think that's really important. But what an incredible series of, you know, really, they don't even identify it, but I think that it's definitely uh, clearing that trauma that's happened in their their lineage and, and their lifetimes. And um, so, yeah, we're all soul. We all reincarnate. We've reincarnated oh, many, many times. Um, we've been men. We've been women. We've black, white, red, yellow, all the things, you know. Um, I think another thing that's really important to think, too, is, if you were a slave in a past life, then you will probably get to be the master and, you know, maybe not in a good way, but someone who has power over somebody. Um, if you're someone with authority, then you may be someone with a not. If you're someone famous, you may, then you may be someone who's not. Um, you get all the experiences. That's what being born and recycled over and over again is you get all the experiences. You get to do all of it. You're not going to do just famous or just this or just good looking or just not. I mean, to be honest, just to say that one off the top of the bat, being good looking is probably, I mean, extremely good looking is probably super hard. I thought about that before. People talking to you and telling you things, uh, being your friend just because of that, it builds up your ego a lot. You know, just because someone's good looking doesn't mean that their life is perfect. Doesn't mean that there are challenges that arrive with that. Um there, I mean, every experience is valid and every experience is needed. Jealousy is needed and, and people building up your ego and all the things are all important. You know, being the, being a slave, being someone who take advantage of authority, um, all those things are important because, you know, finally, when you get in those positions and if you can remember what it's like to be taken advantage of, and when you finally get in that position of authority, then you know, I don't want to take advantage of people. It's not worth it. It's not right. Um so you get to learn it and you get to put it into play. And if you don't put it in play, that's where karma comes back in. And then, you know, it's going to continue to happen. So all the experiences are needed, you know, all the cultures, all the lives, all the understanding. Um, that's what's so great about, you know, this unconditional loving experience where you get to do this thing over and over and over again, you know, to learn and to grow and to evolve. You know, and that we're not always going to be young. We're not always going to be old. We're not always going to be middle-aged. We're not always going to be, you know, this or that. But I do think we come back with certain things. We come back with understandings. And the more you, when you finally really get it hardcore, when you really stand on the idea like, oh, what I do to others is what comes back to me. When you finally know that is law, you really know it deep down in your soul you remember that and you come back with that i mean even as a kid i knew there were certain things that i wasn't going to do like i wasn't my dad's was like what are you gonna be when you grow up and i was like man this is the most profound question and i don't know what it is but i know what it's not and i feel like i feel like pretty smart at least to know not that being a police officer or a firefighter or in the army or all that stuff that's what my dad was like hoping that i would say <laughs> And I was like, not that those things are bad, dad, but that's really not what I'm here to do. I don't know what it is what I'm here to do, but all of these things are here, not what I'm coming to do. Um, I, you know, and, and I'll figure it out. I don't know what it is yet. My brother, you know, he always said those things. I want to be in the military. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a police officer. Oh, that was great. And I, I had a little bit of inadequacy about that. So I wanted to say something, but I didn't have the answer. And it's only till probably my late thirties when I realized, okay, 
I want to, I want to help people, you know, I want to be a caretaker. I want to, you know, help people as much as I can and be a servant. Um, that seems to be like the greatest thing I could be. Um, so it's really important to just really understand those things sometimes. Um, you know, it's okay not to know it's okay. It's not, it's okay. Not have answers, even knowing what you don't want to be. That's still some answers. Um, I thought about not sharing my personal pearls with you guys. There's a famous Bible saying, it says, don't, don't throw your pearls before swine for them to be trampled on. Um, but I guess, you know, this is my, my video, my stuff. And uh, hopefully people will be kind to me on the comments and everything. And I think I'm super crazy, but I feel like, you know, I'll give you guys some of the past lives that I've had that I feel like have had to me happened to me and um, through past life progressions and things like that. So, you know, like I said, we have been here for a long time. I think most of us have been on this planet evolving for a long time. We've been military people and, you know, Japanese, Americans, Africans, Scandinavians playing different roles, being different people throughout history, famous, unfamous. Um, but I have this incredible attraction to certain things. And when I do, I have to like, I like can't get my mind off of some things. Like there are certain things in life that I absolutely almost look about daily. Like I have to like look at things daily. One of those subjects is uh, Bigfoots and Sasquatches. There's something about that that absolutely just feeds my soul in a way that nothing else can to think that there are wild humans, wild people um on this planet that don't care about our politics light beer religions they don't care about sports teams cryptocurrencies presidents ceos I don't care about none of that it seems to me that they'd only care about others them their families you know make sure everybody gets fed make sure everybody's supported um in in doing it in a way that's completely different than how we how we live our lives and all of them would know that we exist and that we don't and that we don't well, like 50 percent of people maybe probably somewhere in there believe that they exist but 100 percent of their culture would believe we exist they would know it but i've been you know enamored with the subject for years and years and years and during a past life progression it was 100% one of the places that I went. I was in a Sasquatch body. I was skipping and hopping and moving my long arms and running through the forest. And, and the lady said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm caretaking. And she goes, what are you taking care of? And I said, I'm taking care of the rivers and the streams and the trees and the animals and the plants and uh, the harmony. Like I, There was no doubt that's what I was doing. I was harmonious with Mother Nature. I was taking care of all these little life beings, you know, and all that stuff. And it made 100% total sense throughout this past life progression. I had other lifetimes in Atlantis and other things, but the main theme in this one particular past life progression I was doing with this lady um, that came out was I was a caretaker. I was a caretaker in different ways all the time. And today I am a caretaker. I take care of special needs people, young kids and adults. I even have a client that lives in my house with me. It's just something that I do. It's just something that comes naturally easy. I believe if I would have been an artist, if I would have been a caveman writing on painting walls and then, you know, someone with a feather, a little quill, and then, you know, on down the line with all the different kinds of arts, I would have been a great artist. But one thing that I've worked on probably lifetime after lifetime is being a caretaker. And so that's something I'm good at now, something I can do, something that comes natural to me. And so that's what I do. And I feel like that's what most past lives suggested. That's what this in particular um, past life regression did for me. Another thing that it made me realize was crazily enough, um, I was captured as a Sasquatch when the people who came and interfered with this planet took my DNA and out and mixed it with theirs to create the homo sapiens. Um, and I was pretty angry about that, that they caught me. And I had like this feeling of, of anger um, because of that. And that was a weird feeling that played out through many lives. One of those in particular lives was Geronimo. And um, crazily enough, you know, regardless of whether I was 
Geronimo or not. The archetype of Geronimo and the person that he was is something that my consciousness totally identifies with this warrior spirit guy. And what happened to Geronimo later in life is he surrendered himself and he always felt guilty about it. Um, but even at the end, when he died, they said his, you know, the Apaches came and took him out of the grave that he wasn't actually buried where he's buried. Um, but so crazily, you, if you really follow it, follow the things that come up, follow the crazy stuff, man, because I, didn't know much about Geronimo. This thing comes up and I'm looking at him and I find out, you know, most Native Americans back then, they don't have the date of their birth. They just don't have it because they kind of have a different, they obviously have a different calendar, a way of seeing time that we do. And Geronimo is one of the few that they had the birthday of. Crazily enough, me and Geronimo have the same birthday, right? And I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. And I go you know, I learned a lot about him. He's really cool to me. He's definitely someone like I have like this really kind of weird infatuation with like the Sasquatches or whatever. And, you know, years and years go by and that's just what it is. And, you know, just, there, I don't have to be Geronimo. It doesn't have to happen for me. Right. It doesn't have to be that. I'm like really interested. Again, it's an archetype. I really enjoy, but I'm hanging out with this girl. I'm hanging out with her on her birthday and, you know, kind of a, romantic interest, someone important in my life, someone who's, you know, kind of triggered me and pulled up a lot of things in my life and go hang out for her birthday. The next morning I wake up and open up Facebook. And the first thing there, and I haven't even thought about Geronimo, I don't know, years, maybe Geronimo, my, one of my best friends posts some quote about Geronimo. And I was like, wow. And that voice in the back of my head was like, now look Geronimo up. And that's happened to me so many times. And when I follow that voice, Weird things happen sometimes that they're really cool. And I followed that voice and I looked it up and it was February 18th. And I was just looking at what Geronimo and stuff like that. And I noticed, I was like, he died on February 17th. That was that girl's birthday. I was hanging out with. That's so weird. That date never meant anything to me at all. And then all of a sudden this person who came in my life, who was kind of a big deal for me for a season all of a sudden their birthday's on that day and my birthday's on the day he was born. And the light bulb just goes off in your head. Like it's all being played out. You just have to see it. You have to recognize the synchronicities and the coincidences aren't just coincidence. They're little, you know, signs for you to pick up on. And I'm like, again, you know, follow it, follow the crazy, follow the synchronicities, follow that voice in your head no matter what it says, how much weird it is, go for it. And again, you don't have to be each person, but the archetypes are there. Another person that came up for me, and I've heard other people say this as well, uh, Judas. Man, Judas screamed to me, like, you know, inside of me, like to learn something about it. And, you know, just like, you know, all I know about Judas is he betrayed Jesus. He was the worst of disciples. I was like, man, if there's another disciple, I could have been, that'd be nice. But why Judas, you know? And um, I was like, that's, that's the kind of craftiest one, you know, but something about me was like pulling me that. And I told my partner and we went up to Estes park and we were just kind of randomly in this cafe and, and it was a, a library as well. Um, and there was, and I, you know, I had been talking about it for weeks with her so much. She was probably like annoyed by it, but then we're talking about it in the bookstore. And then right over to the side of us was the gospel of Judas. And she goes, you have to buy that book. And I was like, you're right. I do have to buy this book. And I just start reading it. And like the first page is like, Judas is a descendant of Jacob. I'm like, so weird. Life is so crazy. Like it could have been anybody, you know, and Jacob's a biblical name. Sure. But for me to, to want to be this person, not, not want to be, but to find this thing inside of me, that's like screaming this stuff out and then go through this and then find this book. And then I read the whole book and it was just like, it was a whole nother thing that he wasn't this betrayer that Jesus asked him to do this thing. And he did it for him. And, you know, obviously he felt the guilt in it, but man, I mean, I cried during reading this book. I, there were so many synchronicities, so much like things that flew through me, flowed through me. Um, so much triggering that happened. I mean, it was just crazy. And again, I don't have to be Judas. I'm not saying to you I was Judas, but at least an archetype of something like that. Someone who followed a Christ-like figure and, um, you know, in similar ways did similar things. That is where I feel like at the very least that that's what this means. Because again, I, I've been told by 
uh, probably a couple other people that they had this kind of Judas complex as well. So, you know, again, I'm just, it's cool. It's really cool that we can have, we could have been other people that the other people's stories are in us, that it's all our story as well. You know, every story is our story. Every human, every person, everything is that's happened is part of the human story. And, and it, it belongs to all of us. It really does. And so I, I highly suggest if you find someone who does past life progressions to do it and to be open to it and whatever comes out, let it come out. And it's not even what's going on right then at the moment. Sometimes I definitely cried a few times during my past life progression, but sometimes it's like you're just saying these things and they come out. And it's not till later that day or that night or a couple of days or maybe a week later, you're like, aha, Eureka, revelation. That's what this is. That's what this meant. And it just comes out and you're like, oh my gosh. And once you can start to unravel the mystery of your life and your consciousness and your journey and the human journey, it starts to unravel easier for everyone, I believe. It starts to become easier to realize who we are, what we're here for, and that Every life is important. Every human is important. Um, and we should take everybody, you know, see everybody's dignity, see everybody as divine in the in the human form and to not be so judgmental and so harsh on people and that we should put people to death. I think that's why Christ said, for he without he without, without sin cast the first stone. This we've all done it. We've all done terrible things. I I probably think about weird things, bad things daily. That I, sh- that I shouldn't be doing, um, you know, and that's just, that's just life. I don't act on them, but certainly even Christ said, you know, when you lust over a woman, it's the same thing as doing it. When you think of it in your mind, you might as well be doing it because your, your brain's already comprehended that. So give everybody a little bit of grace, give everybody a little bit of understanding. Don't be so harsh on yourself first and foremost. And if you're not as harsh on yourself and you realize all the mistakes and all the crappy things you've done, it makes everybody else a breeze really. And when we realize after all, at the end of the day, no matter what, all the things that have happened, all the stuff that's been said, every single human that's on this planet and the season that they were, that we're with them, you know, and it seems like sometimes in the now, whether it's a job or being at school or work, it's going to last forever. It doesn't last forever. Everything happens for a little season. And at the end of the day, we're all walking each other home. We're all walking each other back. To that place that each soul came from and that each soul will return to before it comes back to do this and that's that to me i feel like is really one of the points of this this talk about reincarnation is to realize how important that is that we have kindness and grace and love for every single person um even the ones that we hate because they can teach us so much about ourselves and our life as well so realizing that that there is a beginning and an end is just a concept seeded into your mind by society. You are constant, continuous, infinite energy, and energy never ends. It transforms. We are always transforming into something new, and we're always going to, I feel, probably continue to transform into something new. In fact, I think if we were maybe smaller beings as our consciousness has evolved and grown and we've taken on more physical space, I've I've got the belief that maybe eventually, um, like take Mother Earth, for example, I believe Mother Earth probably had a human lifetime before just like this. And she learned unconditional love. She learned to use her imagination. She learned to end suffering and she learned how to create. And so therefore, Mother Earth is a being who's conscious and, and understanding of herself, uh, aware of herself. She's able to create vast rivers and streams and mountains and, you know, create an entire world for us to enjoy. And she seemingly, for the most part, is very unconditionally loving to us. No matter what we do to her, she seems to be very unconditional loving to us for the most part. Um, I think there are purification times that happen for those of us who can't get with the um, harmonious ways of, of living with her. But she certainly is uh, very creative, very um, unconditionally loving, and um, she lives for millions of years, billions of years, which is much longer than the human life form. So to me, it seems like we can evolve to be bigger things. We can be planets. I believe the sun, the same thing, the sun, even longer, even bigger. Um, the sun is literally 
you know, kind of like the father son, this masculine figure where he's loving and protecting, providing that light to each and every planet, no matter what the planet say, planet says, I hate you, you suck. The sun is still providing light and love to each and every planet. And then the light is like hitting these eggs like sperm, these planets like sperm and giving birth to everything seems to be like the mother, father, uh, divine energy, all in one, uh, creating life. Even our galaxy is a double helix spiral wave pattern, just like our DNA. So the galaxy seems to be a huge being that's conscious and aware of itself as well. And maybe we become galaxies. Maybe we become our own universes. And maybe there's a multiverse out there. I believe that there is. And I believe that we are all our own little solar systems, our own little galaxies, our own little universes. And as we learn to understand unconditional love, compassion, kindness, creation, destruction, it's one and the same, then we learn how it all works and we become bigger, infinite uh, planets, stars, galaxies, and universes eventually too. I think that's incredibly cool to think about just for a second sometimes, just to use your imagination to just to realize that even I think sometimes that my heart is the sun of my universe, um, the sun of my solar system and different glands seem to be um, different planets and different people. Uh, and situations and events and my job are all kind of part of my solar system, if you will. And my heart seems to be the sun that kind of guide in these relationships around me, either harmoniously or are are unharmoniously. Um, but the universal transformation is a journey home back to oneness. And I think that's what we're what we're here to learn is unconditional love and and oneness. So what's really important about this reincarnation thing I feel like here at the end is you were born and died many times. You are the soul who lived all your lives, but you have learned to die over and over and over again, just as many times as you've been born. And just like those kids in that TV show I was telling you guys earlier, they had to learn to let go of the death. You have to learn to let go of the ego. Let go of who you are, who you once were, and start to that, you know, just completely bask in the oneness that you're not just Jacob Cox. You're not just this guy from this small town. You're the whole universe in this guy. And that's important. And when we learn to die over and over again and let that ego go and build up of who we think we are. It really frees us. We have a lot of freedom in that. And just as snakes shed their skin, we must shed our past over and over and over again. Let it go and realize like all the things that are happening right now, I'm much more important than the clothes that I wear, than what's happening to me, than, than what my name is, what my title is, what job I have, who my friends are, all this. I'm way more than that. You're that too. But you're way more than that. And I think if we just stop and take a second, take a deep breath and bask in that oneness of who we are really, who are you really? Um, it's really important. And so I think if we have reincarnated over and over and over again, and we've died many, many times, and this is what we do, we learn to die, you learn to reborn. I often ask myself over and over again, what was Jesus and Buddha and John the Baptist and all these people led into the wilderness for 40 days when they didn't eat, they fasted, they went out in the wilderness by themselves, they were tempted by the devil, by um, temptation, um, you know, all, all this, all these things, and, and they're not eating, so they're probably not the strongest maybe, but they are getting down to the core of releasing all the things like like food and and lust and desires and things that they have to have right you're getting down to the core of who you really are i i do believe that when jesus is called to the wilderness and he's he's fasted for 40 days just like buddha and many of our philosophers that we hear about um in our culture today and all around the world I believe that they're led there by themselves in the complete loving universe, nature, God in his purest form, to go down in the depths of their darkness in their soul 
Um, Christ said when he comes back, he has the keys to Hades. And I think they become masters of it. This, this death and rebirth over again is the practice. It's the, this is also kind of like the microcosm of the macrocosm of this thing that how every energy, no energy is created or destroyed. It's all done over and over and over again. And so this is the microcosm, microcosm of the macrocosm, macro, macrocosm. <laughs> and this is that experience. This is zero point where we go into our deepest, darkest parts of ourselves to be tempted by all the greatness of the world, the wealth and the the sex and the drugs and rock and roll and everything go down and you master it to become the Christ or the Buddha or the Krishna or Mary. I believe all these are terms for someone who's reaching that enlightened point. And I think that is really important. That's where we really need to go to take all these lives that have ever happened and let them all bleed through into now because you need every bit of those experiences. You need every single feeling, every single understanding to become the gods and the goddesses that we are deep down inside of us. You know, all these are archetypes. They all call to us these superheroes and everything else. It's so important to realize like they're calling to us. You are so attracted to these things because we want to be that because you are that. And I think it's so important to realize like whatever body you're in right now, whether it's male or female, I don't think the universe made a mistake. I think what we have to realize is I, I, as a child always followed around the women. I, I would go to a family reunion and I would sit with all the women and then I would try to go sit with the men and I just didn't feel as comfortable with the guys. And even as a kid in the early eighties, I was like, man, this is weird. But I was like, something just doesn't feel like I feel more comfortable with the women and just listening to them talk and being around them. And in my 41 years on this planet, I realized like I am in this male body that I have been feminine and female bodies for a long time and learning that. And I feel like I've got it and I've mastered it. And I, I, I know that so well. And my last several incarnations have been masculine male for me to learn that, for me to be a protector, to be a provider, to learn that masculine energy, to balance it out in my soul and myself. My soul is genderless, but I'm in a body that has male that gives me that access to a divine masculine. I'm both in this body. And that's, I think we all, we all know that we all feel that, but I, you know, I I'm, I'm here for this masculine journey. I'm here. I, I feel so feminine too. I mean, when I'm working with kids, I'm very fluid in the fact that I'm, I can be nurturing and, and, and loving to these kids. And then all of a sudden I feel like I need to be, you know, protective or, you know, strong and, and stern because certain things are happening. But if I stick at one or the other, I'm not going to do well all day long, especially when these kids go really quickly from one thing to another. But if I can move back on my masculine and feminine very quickly, I feel like um, it's to my advantage and to my benefit to be able to do my job in a much better way. But I do feel like overall, like I feel like learning this masculine is here for me right now. It's very important for me to be in this body and in this male body that I've been given helps me balance that. What I've been missing in my incarnations for a long time is to be masculine, to be a father. Man, that's really put me into a whole nother level of existence to to provide for someone else that's completely helpless. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, just blasted me in a whole nother realm of who I feel like I am. Um, so this is so important, you know, we need to become these gods and these goddesses again, because what we know has happened on this planet is crazy. It's crazy. And life is crazy. And it's, it is a ride. And I, I mean, you hate it and you love it at the same time, but definitely we come back over and over again. And it's like, when we come back, we we're we're fearless when we come back, you know, but it, this life hits you and it it burdens you. And there's so many things that happen and it's very tough sometimes. And while we're here, we're like, man, I don't think I can do it anymore. But I think once we die in relief and those things, we were, we are desperate to come back quickly. Like, man, I'm ready to go do it. I didn't get it all in that time. I'm ready to go try it again. And I just want to encourage every single person watching right now who watches this later. You are more than enough. 
You are incredible. You are God. You are God in a body. And learn whatever it is in the body that you've been given right now. Be super thankful for it and grateful for it. You have this body to eat and drink and to touch the earth and to smell the smell of the fruits and the, you know, and, and the divine wind that comes and the and drink water and all the things that the souls on the other side can't even do. I've heard so many times that the angels are jealous of us because they don't get to do the things that we do sometimes. I don't know if they're really jealous, but it sounds good. But we get all these things that they can't even do. We don't even realize how, how awesome it is, how important it is. But each one of us and divine is divine, is God and goddess and in the flesh. And I and I want us all to take these incarnations, let them bleed through into the now to be one who we are. All the things that ever happened, because we need all these experience to be the best person that we can be, to go down into the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves and come back the master, come back with the keys so that we can help change ourselves first and foremost, become the gods and goddesses, just like we heard about in the past, the Zeus's, the Apollos, the Mayans, the Christ consciousness, the Buddhas, the Krishnas, all of them, so that we can take back this planet that's been ravished by people who don't care about it, who aren't grateful for it, who don't love it. It's time that we become these masters again. Um, and I hope that this talk tonight inspires each and every single one of you to find that God and goddess in every single one of us, the light and the dark, the balance, the forces within all of us, the magic is within all of us. Um, and know that you are here. No one that has ever come or will ever come is as important, is as great or better than you. We are as beautiful and as, and as powerful as any force that's ever come or ever will come. We're all the same force. So I want to say thank you guys all tonight. The divine in me recognizes, sees, and honors the divine in each and every single one of you watching this tonight that will watch this. I'm incredibly grateful to share information like this, to talk about subjects like this. I think it matters so much. But I realize my divinity, and I realize yours, and I am so thankful to every single one of you for being here tonight. And I want to say thank you. Namaste. I am so grateful to have a platform like this to be able to do these things. It, it gives me great joy and honor to feel that we can share these things. And I'm grateful for every single person on the live stream right now. Um, I feel like when we come together, such a powerful experience, such a powerful experience when we, um, not just by ourselves, it, it surely is then too, but when we come together and focus on the things that we want to focus on the peace and the harmony, love and, and the world that we want, the balance Instead of one taking over the other, man, it becomes a, a very strong, um, strong message to the world of harmony. So thank you guys tonight. I appreciate every single one of you. That's it for our mystery school for tonight. Thank you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you again soon.